Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works, the podcast for HR professionals. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join us. I am the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge in the hands and ears of you, the HR professional. Those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. We have all heard how important company culture is at any organization, but I think that there's a lot of confusion surrounding the source of that culture. In my experience, the people of an organization generate the company culture. That means everyone from the employees, middle management, the leaders, and and sometimes even including the customers. And when part of that culture producing chain fails, the whole culture suffers. And when a culture suffers, it doesn't just disappear. It decays and it can become out of control. So naturally, if an organization's leadership does not consciously contribute positively to a company's culture, that culture can and will become disastrously problematic, uh, often for every aspect of the organization, from engagement issues, hiring, and even directly influencing the bottom line. Luckily, today we are joined by Jim Barnett, the CEO, co-founder, and chairman of Glint, a company that specializes in creating great company culture. Jim is an accomplished executive and entrepreneur, having built and run several successful companies. He was the CEO, co-founder, and chairman of Turn, Inc. for many years. Prior to Turn, Jim served as the president of Overture Search uh, as a division of Overture Services, Incorporated. He joined Overture after its acquisition of Alta Vista Company, where he was the president and CEO. Before Alta Vista, Jim was the president of Ancestry.com, and that was once called My Family, and he was the CEO of Accolade. So as one Jim to another, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm excited to be with you today. Fantastic. Let's just jump right in. What is conscious leadership, and what led you to that concept? Well, to me, conscious leadership is about bringing authenticity, awareness, and compassion to your leadership style. And, you know, uh, I was attracted to conscious leadership because I think uh, outside of work and outside of my role as a CEO, I was attracted just to the pursuit of consciousness in general. And so, you know, this is conscious leadership's been around for some time. Uh, forever. (laughs) Uh, It's just becoming more popular. And I work closely with uh, the Conscious Leadership Group. Uh, Diana Chapman, Jim Dethmer wrote a great book, um, The 12 Commitments of Conscious Leadership, which really summarizes a lot of the great practices of conscious leaders. Um, Well, how do you go about creating conscious leadership or how do you implement it? Well, I think you do it a few ways. You know, it starts with how you personally show up as a leader. So, uh, you know, I try to show up in a, in a way that's present, uh, open, uh, curious, uh, authentic, uh, trying to tell the truth. It's about uh, keeping your agreement, agreements and having high integrity 
Uh, it's about having self-awareness. And so, you know, it starts with yourself, but then it also uh, goes to, you know, the types of people that you bring onto your leadership team and the types of people that you bring into your company in general, and then the culture that you create and the values that you demonstrate as a, as a team and a company. You mentioned um, being authentic. And what are the traits of an authentic leader? Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't, I don't know that I've ever been asked to define authenticity. But uh, perhaps, you know, the simplest expression of that for me is telling the truth, bringing your full real self to work, being honest with people, being as open as possible. There's lots of forms of authenticity. One of the forms of authenticity that we practice as a company is what we call default to open. We try and make sure that we share everything we possibly can. You know, so the company's goals uh, are open for everybody. Everybody can see everyone's objectives and key results for the quarter. You know, our metrics, our financial results. We try to operate as openly as possible, both uh, inside the company and with our customers and partners as well. You know, um, not everybody has the self-awareness to know whether they are being authentic or, or being genuine. Um, how do you, how would someone look into themselves? You know, someone listening to this podcast and they say, I wonder if I'm a authentic leader how do they find that out? Can they? Yeah. Um, absolutely, they can. I think it's hard. Uh, one of the traits that I find of conscious and authentic leaders is they're curious and open. Right? And, you know, sometimes people confuse authenticity with just saying whatever comes up in their mind. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, under, the, uh, under sort of the charade or guise of authenticity, people could be uh, cool uh, and, and not particularly conscious. And so uh, one, of the, one of the important things about being a conscious leader is, you know, having this self-awareness, having compassion for others, staying curious looking at how the opposite of your story could be as true as your story. I think, yeah, I think, I think really conscious people are simply thoughtful. You know, they know that they have a belief, but they're able to stay curious about how that might just be a story and how the opposite could be true as well. That's very interesting. Um, how do you think that uh, conscious leadership impacts business? Well, I think it's having a big impact on business. You know, one of the elements of conscious leaders is uh, they tend to be more mindful. And there's a, you know, pretty big movement, you know, across business and across America around mindfulness. You know, you look at companies like Headspace and Calm uh, and their popularity. You look at the number of 
leadership conferences around the country around you know uh, mindfulness and um, you know I think it's I think it's leading to a new generation of leaders that um, are more authentic more aware uh, more compassionate and more mindful can you give me an example of conscious leadership perhaps how it's been successful at Glint? Yeah. Um, I can give you a, a couple of examples around that. Uh, you know, one example would be that a couple of years ago, one of our customers asked us to build some functionality in the product. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was a feature that we, we could build. Uh, it would leverage some of our advanced technology but we felt like it wasn't the right thing to do. Uh, we didn't. We felt like it would violate our authentic relationship we have with employees and managers that use our product. And so it was really easy for us to say no, despite the fact this was a, a large customer and it was willing to pay us a lot of money for this particular feature. Because we just knew it wasn't consistent with our values and our culture and our commitment to our customers. Yeah, that's uh, that's really important. I don't think that everybody operates that way. Uh, you know, it's it's always easy to sacrifice some of your values if a little bit of money is involved or a, a lot of money. Yeah, you see this. Uh, you definitely see this. You know, a bunch of companies are getting pressed now. I think there's a lot of pressure as public company in particular to hit certain uh, certain metrics to monetize your business in a certain way and um, sometimes people make mistakes yeah we talk about leadership and leadership decisions a lot on this podcast because you know pretty much every aspect of HR uh, can be influenced by by who the leaders are and their self-awareness and you know whether they're a conscious leader or not um, would you say that you have a culture of consciousness leadership at Glint? Oh, totally. You know, we work hard. We work hard to <laughs> we work hard to maintain it. You know, so one of the things, for example, we do on my executive team. This is a sort of a small tactical example. Is we do issue clearing on my executive team, where we have on the agenda of my weekly exec team, we have an opportunity for anybody to clear an issue that they have. So one of, one of the things that you do if you've got a conscious leadership team is you try to minimize your withholds, right? And so if somebody has an issue, uh, we bring it up and we talk about it. And that's just one issue. You know, our culture is really committed to collaboration. I'd say one of the hallmarks of our culture is we, we found a way to build a culture that was you know, high, high performance yet also very collaborative. So we definitely have a we, not me kind of, kind of approach. And, you know, that, that starts with the leadership team, but it extends throughout the organization. You know, there's a lot of talk these days about work-life balance, you know, um, and a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on that. But, you know, increasingly people, what they do at home really influences how they work and whether that's before they go to work or after they go to work. 
what steps do you take outside of being physically at work to ensure that you can come in each day as your authentic self? Mm. Yeah, so there's a few things that I do to do that. One is I have a daily meditation practice that I've had for uh, next month. It'll be 29 years. Well, wow. where, yeah, every weekday, not on the weekends, I give the week, myself the weekends off. <laughs> but every weekday I get up and I meditate for an hour. Um, and that's a way that I, you know, train my mind to be more mindful and practice. Um, the second thing I do is, you know, I take care of myself. I exercise, uh, eat right and live healthy. I also am, you know, sort of a passionate reader of sort of conscious leadership and mindfulness types of books and, uh, blogs and newsletters and Instagram following. And then I also work with coaches. You know, I mentioned the conscious leadership group, you know, uh, Diana, I've worked with Diana for Chapman there for, for several years and she comes in and works with my team. And, you know, we do tune-ups to make sure that we're, you know, consistently, you know, applying the conscious leadership practices. Have there been any unanticipated effects of your conscious leadership? Well, I wouldn't say there's unanticipated effects, but, you know, like anything else that you do, some people just sort of migrate to these things and it just feels like a glove. And other people, it's a little uncomfortable for Right. You know, a lot of our culture is around sort of keeping things in, not sharing emotions, um, you know, white lies, et cetera, that, that, that people sometimes will use to protect others, et cetera. And so, yeah, sometimes, you know, people join the organization and, you know, for them, it's a it's a little bit different approach. And for them, it might take a little, a little while to realize that they can be comfortable bringing their true self to work as well. Yeah, I mean, change, change is hard, and it's hard for people to, to change themselves. It's, you know, over time you find that you turn around and you already did change, you know. So how can other leaders and decision makers at an organization practice conscious leadership at work? How, what would you say to them? Well, I think mindfulness is a great starting point because it's so easy to do. And uh, in the short period of time, every, 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 everybody can quiet their mind, watch their breath or whatever technique they're going to use. Uh, I'd encourage them to have high integrity, to be authentic, stay open and curious, uh, practice gratitude. You know, I think gratitude is a really important part of consciousness and conscious leadership and commit to what we, we call win-win outcomes. And I think a lot of bad behavior happens when we believe that there has to be a winner and a loser, right? You see that in American politics today, right? There's, there's very little us. There's, you know, or if there is an us, it's because there's an us versus them, not the broader, bigger us, right? And, you know, one of the foundations of our company was to create something that would be a win for everybody, a win for humanity. And I think, I think frankly, our culture 
our society and for sure our political system right now could just use a little reminder that we actually can create win-win situations. So does that mean taking, maybe taking a look every time that you think you have to make a sacrifice and, and seeing, can you, you know, cause the sacrifice is the opposite. It's a trade-off this for that, you know, and you hear that word a lot in corporations and in business that, you know, we had to sacrifice these team members so that, you know, we could reach our bottom line. Maybe they don't say it quite as directly as that, mm-hmm. but that concept is, I think, is one that a lot of us find acceptable, you know, that you could internalize and, you know, what is what role does this win-win concept have to do with, uh, what role does it play with sacrifice in business? Well, I think when you develop, uh, when you develop that muscle for sort of looking at the greater good, and for creating win-win situations, you just naturally begin to migrate to outcomes that fit that. You, you know, and you don't, you don't necessarily view things as a sacrifice. And you're right, sometimes as a business, you do need to reduce your expenses in order to survive, right? You know, luckily we, we never had to do that here because we were, we were very successful and growing very quickly. But the reality is, you know, companies often expand and contract in order to survive. You have to reduce your expenses and people are one of your largest expenses. And so, you know, sometimes you have to do that and you have to look at it as um, as the right decision for the business in its entirety. But when you make that decision, you can also do it compassionately and make sure you know, you're giving people the right resources, the right severance, and you're treating people fairly as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, there's nothing nothing worse than a uh, an unhappy breaking off of employees. I mean, from an HR standpoint, you're looking at retaliation. Uh, you're looking at, and from employer branding standpoint, people going out there saying, you know, I, I worked at this company for eight years and you know, and I didn't even get a thank you when they let me go or something like that. So I could really see that critical part of being compassionate about how you let, let people go um, when you manage these these hard times, uh, these bumps in the road. What, what best practices can conscious leaders follow to build a conscious culture in their workplace? Well, one of the things that they can do, you know, to stay curious and to stay open, you've got to get feedback. So if you're going to build a people-first organization and a people-first culture, you've got to get feedback in order to make sure you're succeeding in doing that. So one of the things you know that we, we see of great companies do is they provide the right mechanisms for getting feedback and having conversations about that feedback. And that's, you know, that's why we built our company. You know, that's what the Glint platform is. Companies use the Glint platform to measure and increase employee engagement and develop and grow their people. And so getting, getting that regular feedback, uh, making sure managers are having conversations with their teams on a regular cadence, making sure you're investing in growing and developing your people. Those, those are the, some of the key things that leaders can do. 
Well, this has been very interesting, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. My pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, listeners, we are always interested in suggestions you might have for what HR Works should cover next. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast or with any thoughts or concerns you have, or just to say hello. Thank you so much for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.